Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten Podcast. Joining me on this rip is Bill from Boracay in the Philippines. Paradise, beautiful island, and he wants you to come and visit towards the end of March. Not for a conference, but for a retreat and a conference with a difference. Why? Because he has managed to onboard 250 merchants on the island to accept Bitcoin. He just needs the plebs to come now and prove to them the proof of concept that people will come and visit the island and pay with Bitcoin for the goods and services, all of the restaurants, the bars, the, the coffee houses, whatever it is that you need to go and buy to have an amazing holiday. It's done. He's done the work. He's done all of the groundwork. Please listen to Bill on this one and please try and get to the conference retreat. Not a conference that he's throwing. You'll learn more about it as this episode unfolds. Uh, right, before we do get into the show, let's make sure all of you are fully aware of the show sponsors and what they can offer you. What I'm excited about with Swan and Relay this year is the fact that they are really focusing on a white glove service for those people that are looking to buy up to 100,000 euros or dollars worth of Bitcoin. You've got, a, you've got a concierge service here with highly trained professional people that can talk you through and educate you through about Bitcoin. They also offer a pleb stacking service. Both of these companies now have an app. It's very easy to download and start using. No reason to start onboarding. So they've got you covered from your, your $10 a week to 100,000 a year. Uh, and great Bitcoin companies. So go check them out. Swan and Relay. Links are in the show notes. Coin Corner are a exchange based in the Isle of Man that cover all of UK and Europe. And you can set up an account with them, a merchant account as well. So if you're orange pilling your barber, your butcher, your coffee guy, your, your bar, your restaurant, whatever it is, all they need to do now is open a merchant account with Coin Corner and offer their customers the ability to accept Bitcoin. You can also smash buy with them and set up your dollar cost average, which is amazing. And you can get a bolt card and withdraw Lightning and pay with Lightning directly with your bolt card linked to your account via the app. Now, if you want to go peer-to-peer -peer and completely non-KYC, that is covered too, globally. Hoddle, hoddle. Have you covered? Link is in the show notes. Hit the link in the show notes, set up an account and start trading peer-to-peer -peer globally with people. Find those currencies that you need to transact in, find those people and buy your Bitcoin. Stack your sats in a KYC-free manner. If you need to up your privacy game, maybe you've got a legacy stack that you've been thinking about coin joining for a little while but you don't know exactly what that means or the implications of it do your own research a good way to start is wasabiwallet.io you can download it very quickly hit uh, receive set up a wallet and you can run some sats through the coin join at wasabi but please stack safe make sure you've got your sats on a bitcoin hardware wallet 
useshiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten and the code bitten for 5% off the Bitbox 02. Here's the rip with Bill. Please reach out as soon as you've listened to this episode. All right, we're recording, Bill. Nice to meet you, brother. Howdy, howdy. So, Bitcoin Island. Here you are, sat out there in uh, in the Philippines. You, you've got a you've got a story to tell. Yeah, we do. It's uh, it's a great to be able to build your own citadel and then be able to invite everyone out to it. So <laughs> that's what we've been doing here. So let's. It's been um, about. I, I was gonna. I was Go gonna ahead. say. Uh, I was gonna say. Let, let's try and um, set this up because you're 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 clearly not Filipino. You're an American guy living out there. Right. Okay. Correct. Let's um let's take this back before we start talking exactly about uh, what's going on there right now. What led up to this, and how did you find yourself in the Philippines, and why did you leave America, and what were you doing in America, and how did you find Bitcoin? There's there's lots there's lots to unpack. Sure, sure. So I was living in Vegas for a while, and everyone gets tired of Vegas, and so I started looking into the best countries for fire financial independence retire early and i'm following that model to a t so i just went on a three-month trip to the philippines which three years later is still going strong <laughs> okay. uh, i still feel like a bit of an amateur here because i i run into guys that have been here 15 years that came over for three months right okay so Vegas, I'm assuming you were working in the casinos. Was that the line? No, of no, I was, I was, re I was retired, and Vegas was just a good place to play cards. Right. All right. You, yep. you, you look like a pretty young dude. I, I am. I uh, did well in um, in tech, invested well, and just have enough. Uh, what the hell to just kind of to drop out. All right, mate. The do you mind if I keep probing some questions around that part? No, not life? at all. I'm, yeah. Well, I mean, I look younger because I shave my head. I'm actually 48. Okay, we're we're about the same age. So let's wind it back. Uh, high school, college. What's going on there? Uh, I would say that uh, the biggest influence was uh, finding about finding out about this thing called libertarianism. Mm -hmm. And when I found out in college that there were other people that believed the same things that I did, that was definitely a, a game changer. Uh, finding that out, I played around with the Libertarian Party, didn't really get anywhere with them, and just was quietly a lowercase Libertarian for a long time. So I was pretty well primed for Bitcoin when when I finally heard about it. But like most people... You hear about it twice, the first time you ignore it, and then the second time you take it serious. Uh, I'm a little embarrassed that it took me as long as it did to find Bitcoin the second time. I think moving to the Philippines and suddenly becoming unbanked had a lot to do with that. Moving money around is a real pain in the ass. And I had a contracting gig where... They offered to pay me in Bitcoin, and I was like, well, all right, let's take a look at that, see if I can use that over here, and quickly found the exchange and found out it was a pretty decent way of getting money from the from America or anywhere else over to the Philippines. 
the dominant e-wallet in a, in the Philippines is Gcash and funding it was a real pain for me and it was it would have been very useful to have but I suddenly found if I sent bitcoin over then I could cash out to Gcash and then I would have an e-wallet in the Philippines so that's kind of how it got started as a remittance method and it was working pretty well but of course it was on chain and it was using a an exchange that wasn't necessarily a wallet um as in walking around it was more of a um website so it wasn't super ideal for this situation you know it could take you know still 4 or 5 hours to get money across and then the ceo of pouch approached me because i was telling people on reddit about getting money over to the philippines with this method and at that point they had launched pouch with the lightning wallet and the lightning wallet solved all the problems that i was having it was over here in a few minutes or not even a few minutes in a few seconds and it was just a much better way of doing things how long ago was that Seven months ago, I hooked up with uh, Pouch. Wow. Okay. All right. So you, I'm going to keep going back. Just yeah. to try and connect all of these dots. Um, you leave, uh, you, you go to college, leave college, and then just find yourself investing? It, it, what was what Oh, was no. I, I mean, I, I had a standard software uh, gig for like 15 years. Huh. Okay. And at some point, it was just time to to drop out, and I did. This is what the plebs love hearing, right? Because there's so many of them stuck. And right now, here we are, 1st of, uh, well, not 1st of January, 5th of January as we're recording. And I remember when I quit my career, I walked in 2nd, 3rd of Jan, whatever that date would have been, and uh, I reached down under my desk to switch on my computer and sat back up and just looked at the lights coming on and thought to myself, ah, oh, another 10 to 20 of this shit? Like, no, I can't do this anymore. And this is before <laughs> I found Bitcoin. So when, when plebs reach out to me that uh, are still stuck in their fiat job, but have found Bitcoin maybe six months to two years ago and are stacking away as diligently as they can, all they're trying to do is escape, right? And you and I have both been in that situation where we have managed to escape. And I did a, an interview with Brand, Brandon Quittam about this as well. And he talks about his escape. It's so valuable for people to hear these stories. Uh, and I did one with Bitcoin Q&A as well, how he managed to quit his fiat job and find himself a Bitcoin job. So what was going through your mind at the age of, I don't know, early 40s, late 30s, whatever it was, when you, yep. you realized like, no, I cannot do this anymore? Um, I actually had a pretty cush job that I loved when I did the, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, the exit interview, I think I said love it, it like 15 times during the exit interview. Uh, it was a great company and I could have had a long, great career there as long as I wanted. It's kind of nice. I feel like if I ever wanted to go back, it, it would be pretty pretty inviting for me to go back there i did some consulting with them a few years ago 
and, you know, hugs all around as I show back up after five, six, seven years, whatever it was. So I had a, I had a great job out there. Uh, I think what it was looking at for me was I was looking at the amount that I was saving every year into uh, the 401k. And I just said, what if I stop contributing right now? What would that look like? And it's like, okay, do I want to die with N million or N million plus three, um, you know, you know, N plus three million dollars when I die? And I'm like, it, it doesn't matter. So the challenge was actually getting from there to retire to actual, you know, retirement pull out of the 401k. And so I was just like, if all I've got to do is break even, why don't I just go try that? And I had, I think when I counted once, I had like 13 discrete uh, different income streams that I was working, whether it was rentals, whether it was Airbnb experiences, whether it was relieving tourists of their poker money, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, I just had a, a million different ways I was like making a little money here, a little money there. I, it reminds me of a kind of crazy sovereign citizen type that I met early, early on. Kind of a big influence on me. But he said, not joking, that he could never get a job because if he did, he'd never have time to make money. And I, I kind of felt what he was talking about. I have managed to find different ways of making money throughout. So... Yeah, it, it's out there if you are motivated and creative about it. And I enjoyed the hustle of trying to find different gigs or, or whatever. That's our natural state, isn't it? I've said it before. Like that is the actual human being, homo sapien, our species are entrepreneurial by spirit. It just gets knocked out of us by the education system into believing that our lives should be linear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot to be said for that. So, you know, coming to the, the island here and getting this done is been like a kind of real job again. Uh, but it, I'm in it for the revolution and, you know, having it be a job is just a bonus. So were there any how did you find libertarianism? Like you said, you, you found that in college. What was what was the what were those uh, touch someone points? Uh, someone turned me on to the book by uh, Peter McWilliams, Ain't Nobody's Business If You Do. It was the social side of libertarianism. He was not a financial uh, libertarian guy. He probably was, but that's not what he wrote about. And, you know, I'm proud to say I met Peter in person, found him to be a lovely guy until he was executed by the state. And I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, no, with I have him. No, I have no idea. No, no, please tell. Oh, us. Peter McWilliams was a great author, and he was a one of the early medical marijuana patients. And when that was denied him in California, he quickly, quickly died of um, of of that. So, yeah, if he had been allowed to keep using his medical marijuana, could have kept his drugs down, he would probably be with us still today. But hmm. you know his mother's house was put up on for bail money for him. So he just gave up on using medical marijuana and quickly died after that. 
So he was a huge influence on me through his writings. His big book, uh, Ain't Nobody's Business If You Do, it's orange. It's huge, but it's big print and just a great read. Wow, okay. And then you mentioned something else, FIRE, this uh, Financial Independence Retirement Early. Yeah, have I got that right? Yeah, Financial Independence Retire Early. Um, the community basically comes down to spend less than you make. Everything else is an elaboration on that. And so you can go into the FIRE community, read up everything you need to know about it in a, probably in a month or two. I've kind of dropped out of it because, all right, spend less than you make. All right, that's pretty easy. And that's what it's all about. And I was looking to them about uh, where do you go be an expat to be cheaper and live. And Philippines is always in the top three of that list of fire communities. Were there any uh, books or anything that you were reading um, around that kind of topic as well? Uh, not really. Uh, there's just a lot of blogs. I think uh, Mr. Money Mustache is one of them that yeah. would be pretty typical of the genre. Yeah, I remember that guy. Yep. Yep. And then uh, Tim but, Ferriss as well. His book, The 4-Hour Workweek, is uh, definitely in that genre. Uh, yeah, I've never read that. Um, I think the title kind of turned me off to it, but I heard uh, an interview or something with him where he said that he didn't like the title either. So I've never actually read it, but um, I've de definitely been told it's in that in that arena. So you decide on the Philippines. Uh <laughs> How did that how how did that situation play out? You had to sell everything at home or you were just gonna go for three months, then go back or no, I uh no, I, I just kind of left. Um <laughs> you know, I finally had to have a buddy take care of my motorcycle because it's been sitting for three years. I've got a trusted friend that, you know, takes care of the rentals there, and I think she's crashing at my place while she's cleaning it out for the new renter. And so I've got my people over there that are kind of taking care of my life there for me. Um, but yeah, I came and I lived in the heart of Manila in kind of a, a locals neighborhood. When I was in that area, I was the only white guy ever that I saw there. So it was definitely a locals neighborhood, very cheap, uh, easy walking distance of the casino. Cause I did like to play cards a lot. And then the pandemic hit. And so after about six months, I realized these card rooms are not going to be opening up again anytime soon. So I moved to a, a different apartment, didn't really dig that. So then I ended up in a kind of a remote beach just in the northern provinces. And going there, it's a resort, what we would call just a tiny hotel, uh, beachside look out my window and there's the ocean. I walk out my door and there's the sand right on my toes. And I rode out the rest of the pandemic there. It was like not a pandemic. I essentially had a private beach for about another year, year and a half. Yeah. Things got a little crazy, right? In that country with the pandemic um, in the cities. Uh, yeah, but I wasn't there for a lot of it. Mm. So 
and being kind of an introvert geek, the the whole pandemic thing didn't didn't really bother me all that much. It was kind of like the the nerd apocalypse, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I had a good internet connection, picked up some consulting gig programming stuff, and was happy as a, a clam. Um, and then once I got it out to the provinces there, it's just so remote. Everyone is kind of social distanced anyway, so it really didn't matter. What's, so um... I, I had, I think, I think yeah. I had a very different, uh, pandemic experience than a lot of folk. Hmm. It sounds like it sitting on a beach doing what you want to yeah. do and, you know, getting paid at the same time working remotely. Sounds pretty sweet. Uh, yeah, you, I, 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 it didn't bother me all that much. So, you, you've mentioned cards a couple of times, so there's clearly something here. Uh, what's um... oh, I, yeah, I, I like to play poker. All right, how how did that so, start? Um, just kind of picked it up at the time when I was learning. It was the online poker boom, and so that was very easy to fall into. And so I did that and got pretty good at it. And so when I went to Vegas, you know, just relieving the tourists of their poker money was a natural thing to do. So that that if you know what you're doing, that's a, a decent income. It's the swings are probably as bad as as Bitcoin, but the trend <laughs> is upwards. <laughs> so what? So you just go and join any table, sit down, just start playing, and you could spot tourists a mile away? Well, I mean, in Vegas, they're all tourists. It's right. um, probably about 30% local at any given table, and the rest are tourists. All right. Remind all me right. not to so go back to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, most of the locals are not that good. Um, and I'd sit down at any table and I could tell you who the winners were. There's usually only one to two winners at a table and, uh, a few break even guys and everyone else is just losing. That's just the, the way it is. Is there like, um, cause sometimes what's the old saying, you know, never play a beginner because you have no idea what they're going to do and you can't read them and you, but you need how, how much time would you need at a table before you could actually start, you know, getting into that rhythm and realizing how people are playing and, and what to do and, and how to read uh, it? I'm, honestly, before I sit down, uh, <laughs> like, you know, uh, all of the age stereotypes, gender stereotypes, um, how they dress, all of that is, is pretty damn accurate. And so you, you can tell, who the who the real players are um, pretty quickly. One of my closest friends in Vegas, I sat down at the table and within two hands, I looked at him and kind of whispered, I'm like, you're a professional. He's like, yep. And we were best friends for, for years after that. Um, just the way he handled himself at the table, uh, you, you can tell. Game recognizes game. So when you started, you started playing the cards in Manila, was that yeah, I was playing here. I, um, so the the level of study is not nearly as high here. Um, it's sort of like 
in, in poker, there's something called the World Series of Poker, and it's known for bringing a lot of very gambly people together in Vegas for a month of the festivities, and everything, everyone is just far more gambly and not as disciplined, and it felt like whenever I went to play cards in Manila, that's exactly like it, what it was. Um, the people just don't have as found good of um, foundations, far more willing to gamble. And it's, it's unfortunate because the way to beat them is very, very boring. You sit, you fold, and you play good cards, and you take their money. There's not a lot of deception, not a lot of overthinking or anything else. It's just like, just wait until you have good cards and, and beat them. And it's it's just unfortunately rather rather boring. In Vegas, you would definitely get some guys that knew what they were doing. And so there was a, a different level of battle that made it a lot more fun. So this big white dude turns up in the middle of Manila and starts taking all these guys' money. Was that cool? Or were you ever... Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, no, I never felt threatened in Manila. The only place I've ever felt threatened was in uh, New Jersey. I was having a good night. It was 2 in the morning, so I played in the biggest game there, uh, which it was a little bit over what I would normally do. And through just good cards in the first 10 hands, I think I made like two or $3,000. And I thought to myself, it's three in the morning. I'm tired. I came here for the money. I got the money. I got up and left. And one of the guys looked at me real serious and said, I hope you have a nice, safe time in the parking garage. So I definitely took a long walk through the casino uh, to make sure no one was following me before I went and uh, found my way home. That is the only time I've ever felt really threatened at a table. That guy, just the look and the fact that I like two grand off of him in the last 10 minutes and got up and left definitely made me think okay uh let's let's be a little bit more careful here oh so so what's the etiquette there you're supposed to play longer i mean surely it's down to you how long you stay um, at the table so a lot of uh yeah it's totally up to you like in a home game that is a complete and absolute breach of etiquette you know, they set up these home games and there's not a list of people that are going to come sit down if you if you get up and leave. So it's it's rude to leave a home game without notice or especially when you're up in a public card room, whatever. Um, yeah, get up and leave whenever you want. There's definitely guys that will complain about it, but these are people that just don't understand that Life is one long poker game. It doesn't matter when you get up and leave. So. How has your, I mean, maybe, do you still have access to a casino now in, in Boracay or is there no gambling there? No, no. The um, I keep hearing rumors that they're going to be building some here, but who knows? Uh, the nearest one is Manila and I just don't really like leaving my island. So. I haven't I haven't played much in the last three years, basically since the beginning of the pandemic. My question there was the way the way, where I was leading with this is: it, the, when did you find Bitcoin, and has Bitcoin changed your thinking around gambling at all? 
Uh, no, no. If anything, poker has set me up to understand volatility. That you can do everything right and, you know, drop three or four buy-ins in a night. Depending on the table, that might be $600. It might be $6,000. Um, and it's just the way it is. You know, you can do everything right and the cards turn against you and that's just how it is. So dealing with volatility is just something that if you're good at poker, you learn to deal with. And uh, recognizing that the pain that we feel is very often um, loss aversion. And so what that basically means is the money that you lose hurts a lot more than that equivalent amount of money being one would give you joy, right? So right now we're all in this, you know, point of maximum pain right now where the bear market is just really bad. And if we think about the fiat losses, it would drive us nuts. But we're the same exact people that, you know, when it gets back up to 100,000, we'll just be chanting one BTC is one BTC, right? So... We're not, we don't get super overjoyed by the gains, but the losses hurt more. And that's something that high level poker will just teach you. And risk tolerance as well, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, you just know that you're putting your money in and you might have like a 60 40 edge. And 60 40 means you're going to lose 40%. Even the best of poker players and i i knew a lot of the the good ones in vegas they lose like 40 50 percent of their sessions if they go in they will lose 40 50 percent of the time but it doesn't matter because their losses are significantly smaller than their gains so you 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 know you walk into the card room and you know Half the time, I'm going to lose tonight. But it's okay, because if you keep playing correctly and coming back, that number will go up. And then sometimes, just through random chance, you will have a month where you you won 90% of your sessions. It's not because you were a better card player than than before, necessarily. It's just, you know, good runs come also. Yeah, exactly. So when did you actually like that second touch point with Bitcoin? When did you when did that come? Yep. How did it come? And uh uh that was at just at the very beginning of this last bull run, whenever that was, what, three years ago? I'm trying to remember where I was, so that was like a month or two into the pandemic, I think. Mm -hmm. So when whenever that was. And so yeah, that's when the second touch point was. Do you remember what it was? Oh yeah, it was that contract where someone wanted to pay me in Bitcoin. All right, okay. So that right, okay, fine. So, but at that point, were you still paying attention? Were you paying attention to um, any podcasts or books or anything like that, or was that the impetus for you to start a deeper research? Oh no, that's when I started. The right. guy offered to pay me in Bitcoin. I found out I could get an exchange here 
And then, of course, I started doing the research. Being a geeky guy at heart, you know, that's when I'm on Reddit all the time and all the YouTube and uh, reading whatever I can, learning the technicals of it. And yeah, so that's that's when it really took hold. So you had more of a practical aha moment with the you know ability to now accept Bitcoin as payment for the work you were doing for someone in a different country, rather than reading some books and like slowly having these epiphanies drop in you know, in your mind whilst you're drifting off to sleep or in the shower, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, and I um like I said, I was philosophically ready for this as mm. a pretty hardcore libertarian anyway. So, um, you know, when they're talking about hard money, blah, 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 this is all all stuff that I already knew and believed. So I it was more just seeing how Bitcoin fit into the philosophy I already had. That must have been a nice day for you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. So, yeah. So the utility is really what got me into Bitcoin this this time and is really what's driving me with this project. Mm -hmm. The, uh, a lot of the people that we're onboarding, we've got like 250 businesses on the Island here and Philippines is a heavy remittance company or uh, country. And so to give you a sense of scale every day, every day, a hundred million us dollars comes in from overseas foreign workers to their families. Just to Boracay. On av no, 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 to the Philippines. I was going to say, right, okay, 100 million US dollars to Filipino families, right. Right. And so 100 million, uh, right now, from what I've read, it's about 6% in fees, 7% in fees that they are paying. So imagine 6 million US dollars being set on fire every day. That is what's happening here. Mm-hmm. And that money would be much better off going to their grandmas, their sisters, their children here in the Philippines. They are overseas working in Saudi, United States, wherever it is, mm -hmm. working pretty damn hard for that money and then handing over, you know, 6% of it to some middleman. We can move that money over here for about 1%. And so that's, that amount of money that if everyone was using this for their remittances would increase the GDP of the entire country by 1%. Now we are never, we are not going to get a hundred percent of remittances coming through us, but that gives you a sense of the scale of why this is super important for the Philippines. And when you say coming through us, who is us? Uh, pouch. Pouch right. is the lightning wallet. We have an unfair advantage here in the Philippines because of the fiat rails. It's very much like strike if you're, or a coin corner, if your uh, listeners are familiar to that, in that you can hook up your bank account, send money to and from uh, to coin corner or pouch or strike, and then send it out via lightning or on chain. And so that simplicity is really important for people. So you mentioned 250 businesses uh, in Boracay. Now, that's the amount of businesses on Boracay, or that's the amount of businesses that are accepting Bitcoin? 
in Boracay. That's uh, that are accepting Bitcoin. Two hundred. So, so you've onboarded two hundred and fifty. Like you and yes. who else? Uh, I for a long time my girlfriend was helping me out, and then uh, when we made a really big push, we had two or three gig workers. Uh, now we're um, we're focusing not on onboarding so much as we are getting users to come here and spend. We have built the Citadel. Uh, you can come here and absolutely live only on Bitcoin. I would say I'm 90% on Bitcoin right now. So it's entirely possible to do. But these, these different uh, businesses are going to forget how to use it or whatever if there are not people here doing it. We know that there is some amount of circular economy already happening. You know, I'll talk to one of the uh, little sorry sorries. These are the convenience stores and ask them what they do with the money. And they said, oh, I went out to a restaurant and spent it there. Okay, mm -hmm. good. Now I want that restaurant when he sources vegetables to go to my vegetable seller and buy from him. Right. So trying to get all those little connections happening, but we've got this primordial soup of Bitcoin accepting businesses and they are finding each other. That's but, awesome. You know, getting more people coming in here like Bitcoin Beach, they had a lot of Bitcoin donated to them to kickstart that economy. We are relying on people coming to Boracay and supporting the revolution by buying mojitos, drinking them toes up in the sand, and paying for it all in sats. How great is that for a revolution if all you've got to do is come here and spend some money on a white sand beach, right? That's that's a pretty good way of being a revolutionary in my mind. <laughs> it beats light and torches and, you know, sourcing pitchforks for everybody. Uh right. How on earth, because there's a lot of people out there that are trying to onboard businesses in their local towns, villages, cities, Madeira, for example, they, they're trying to orange pill as many merchants as possible. You guys come out of nowhere. I remember seeing you all of a sudden drop on Twitter. I'm like, what the hell? And then I had uh, Nathan <laughs> Day from Bitcoin Maps on the, uh, on the pod. And he's like, yeah, dude, Bitcoin Island has like 250 businesses. They come out of like completely out of left field. And we're tagging a new business like 10 a day. It was ridiculous. Uh, and that was all. Yeah, I, I was the one tagging those. Yeah. It was a real <laughs> lot of work. <laughs> I think I think they've tried to make the tagging process a lot easier now. Uh, but he only. Yes, they he, have. They have. He only started that in Riga, uh, September 3rd. He was front row listening to a panel. And he's like, I wonder where we can spend sats tonight. And he's looking around for a Bitcoin map, found some old project that had been shelved for a little while, connected with the dude, asked a few other guys, um, you know, on a forum who wants to help me build BTC maps and bam, it was up and running. And then you guys within a couple of, I don't know, six, eight weeks, whatever it was, like there's a whole island. <laughs> Where did this come from? It's moving yeah. so quickly. So how did you get these merchants to understand how important it is for them to start accepting Bitcoin. What was the what was the pitch? How would you approach them? Ah, so I, I will give it here, but I will also tell you that we were at adopting Bitcoin, mm -hmm. and I've got that uh, 
you can just go find it there. Bill Hill adopting Bitcoin. And I've got that whole presentation. So you don't have to note. It's all right there. Mm -hmm. So we are selling Bitcoin purely on utility. I am not trying to kill them in the sense of getting them to buy some forks and, you know, audit the Fed or anything like that. Uh, this is purely a utilitarian thing that we are doing. So the the very first thing that you've got to do when you go to one of these business is make sure you can find the person that has the power to say yes. If you cannot find that person, then nothing you do is going to matter. Uh, that is just sales 101. You have to get X power. Okay. Now, once we found that person, smaller the easier it is to find. Uh, these tiny little sorry sorries, these little mini convenience stores, the owner is almost always there, so they go a lot faster. Okay, so you you found that person, and just so you you, you know, Gcash is the dominant e-wallet here. Everyone knows what Gcash is. So I'll come into him and say, hey, so I want to talk to you about accepting payments from foreigners. Now, you're familiar with Gcash, but the problem with Gcash is that it's for Filipino only, and foreigners can't get access to it, so they're not able to pay you with an electronic wallet here. That's where our wallet comes in. It's called Pouch, and we can accept payments from anyone around the world, no matter what country they're from. So can I show you a quick demo? You always ask if they can do a demo, and I'll usually say a two-minute demo. And because no one wants to sit there for a half hour or whatever. So by putting a time limit on it, they're going to say yes to the demo. Okay, so then we carry around these little QR cards. So you, it's just a QR card. And I have one set up for a different account. I will scan it. And then I'll say, you know, send 10 pesos. Hit OK. They see the confirmation. The money is gone. And presumably to the store that I just paid. So this doesn't sound like that big of a deal for people that understand the technology. But Gcash and the other pay wallets here, while they do have QR codes, many of the businesses self-onboarded. And so they didn't print out a QR code. They wouldn't know how to do it anyway. So they give their phone number and the, the owner's name. So they'll come grab that, and it's a, usually a ratty piece of cardboard, and then the user has to type it in and then make sure it's the right name, blah, 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 and then send it. And then they might even have to call the boss to see if the money came through. So our little demo here of boom, it was paid does not seem like that big of a deal. It is a big deal. It is way better experience than what is already happening here. So we've done that. And I go with the method uh, of technical demo where you do, do it fast as fast as you can. Here's a card. I paid it. Then you do it again slowly. And then you do it a third time as slow as you want, explaining all the details. A lot of people, when they want to give a tech demo, feel like they need to build to a crescendo. I'm going to explain all these little details, and at the very end, here I pay. That is exactly the wrong way of doing things and is the natural way that everyone does a tech demo, and it's absolutely wrong. So by doing this, boom, we paid. Is that of interest to you? 
If it's not of interest to them, we might as well leave because that that's the good stuff right there. Okay, so they are usually impressed by this. So then I say, okay, I'm going to take out my wallet and I'm going to be the store now. So I'm you guys and I'm going to make a request for 10 pesos. And I'll make that and show the lightning QR code. These QR codes do not have lightning because lightning is a dynamic invoice. You cannot pre-print them. So on the phone, now I make a lightning invoice and I say, I if I had another phone, I would scan this, but I don't. So I'm just gonna copy it. Then I'll open up Strike, Wallet of Satoshi, something different. And this is the first time that I actually mentioned Bitcoin. I'm like, okay, so someone's here and they've got a Bitcoin wallet from, it really doesn't matter where it's from. And so if they use Bitcoin, they can pay this. So then they'll set into strike and say, this is connected to my American bank account. And I hit send. And by the time I open up the pouch app, it's already there. So like two seconds later, by the time I've switched apps, they can already see that the money is received. At this point, they're going to ask, how do I get the money out? When they ask that, I know they've already we've already won. Okay, because they're envisioning themselves doing this. So how do I get the money out? And then I'll show them that you can hit send and pick any bank in the Philippines, including Gcash and PayMaya, the, the wallets that they already have. And so we'll like, Boom, you just do this and send it off. And so they can see that that money is going to go to where they want to go. And eventually, they just leave it into their account and maybe start using it at nearby stores or, you know, what whatever it is that they're going to do with it. But having that escape route of you can go to fiat immediately is super important and i believe this is the unfair advantage that allowed us to get 250 businesses in an absolute record time if we had to tell them okay now you've got sats and it's a great investment and yeah you should totally keep it that is a much much harder sell so a lot of respect to all these other communities that have to do it the hard way now, as people are using this, then our bigger businesses, the ones that, you know, if they get $100 worth of, of income into their account, they could afford to just, you know, send that out as sats and save it for the long term. Great. Now, our little sorry sorries, they are not going to be able to keep any amount of Bitcoin for the long term. That's that's just not something that they're realistically going to be able to do right away. But our bigger businesses start to ask, well, how, how can I just keep this as Bitcoin? So adoption is a ladder. And the very first step is get them to have a positive outlook on Bitcoin. They see it and they think it's a good thing. They don't have to adopt it. They don't have to get a wallet. But when they see like in the downtown of our little community here there is our office with a giant bitcoin on it like when you look across the little lake little pond you can't miss this giant bitcoin 
And so everyone on the island has seen this thing. And they have seen that on the little e-trikes, essentially electric golf carts, that is the main transportation on the island. We've got about 50 of them that we signed up to accept Bitcoin. And so they see the bumper stickers that they put on there, that we put on there for them. And so they see this different places. All of our businesses have Bitcoin accepted here signs. They see those. I can really tell that we're having good success when, and whenever a tourist comes here, I try and give them the tour. And at first they'll take pictures in front of every Bitcoin accepted here sign that they, that they run across. And then after about 15 minutes into the tour, they stop doing that because they're everywhere, right? You, you stop taking pictures of them because it's, oh, yeah, they're all over the place. So that's definitely a good sign of success for me. So, and so, yeah, we're, go ahead. I, I just want to get, get something completely straight with the Fiat Rails. Mm -hmm. So the, the small businesses can accept the Bitcoin. Then if they want, they can send that Bitcoin directly to any bank that will exchange it for them into uh, we pesos? we do the we do the exchange so uh -huh. when they make an invoice the unit of account is pesos mm -hmm. so uh you know you just had a meal that might be uh a thousand pesos about 16 17 dollars us and so they'll make the invoice and you can pay them in bitcoin and then what pouch does is convert it and send it to a a virtual bank, a white label bank, so that they have the money in pesos. Right. Okay. And and then the ones that are interested, we show them that you can self custody, set up a lightning wallet, and just pay that wallet, and the money will go out to them. So we uh, do not custody Bitcoin for people. There are just legal hurdles that we are not ready to to cross right now. We would love to keep their balances in sats if they choose to do that. But I guess right now as kind of the marketing guy, I, I like to say that we believe so much in self-custody that we don't even let you custody with us. But all they got to do is send it out to any self-custody wallet and it's it's theirs. So, yeah, that's that's how we do things and right. yeah yeah okay so perfect i pay for the meal uh i pay in bitcoin but a thousand pesos hits their bank account or i pay oh, well, in bitcoin it hits their... yep yeah or i pay in bitcoin and it hits their wallet satoshi yeah if if, if they uh, wanted to they could just whip out their um wallet of satoshi mm -hmm. and accept it right directly right. like that right. yep but with Pouch, it could either go straight into pesos or straight into Bitcoin. Uh, with Pouch, it always comes in uh, to the user account as pesos. Uh-huh. Okay. We So we do the transition from sats to pesos. I see. Yep. We would love when all the licensing and legality stuff to turn back on the Bitcoin balances, but that's just not the reality of the regulatory environment that we're in right now. Got it, man. Wow. You guys have done some great work. Ah, thank you. And what we really want is for people to come see it. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, We've had some uh, bloggers come by, some podcasters come and do talks here. But like you said, we came out of nowhere, and it's a little bit unbelievable (laughs) that, that this is actually working, right? So the more plebs that come here and post about their experiences so that people understand this is real, this is actually happening, the better. And so we're having a retreat, a conference here on the island late March. And we would love for people to come for that. If you go to pouch.ph, right at the top, there is retreat. And you can go read about it and RSVP. Okay. And, it's uh, a little bit... Go ahead. Shill it. Yeah. Have you got some speakers? Yeah, so it's a, got... yeah, it's a little bit different of a conference. Uh, that's why we're terming it more of a retreat. We will have some keynotes, but a lot of it is going to be more about uh, decentralized talks. What I've noticed when I went to Adopting Bitcoin... All the most important stuff that I remember happened in the hallways, right? Those conversations that you have with people. Mm -hmm. And so we are trying to make that happen. A lot of us are geeky introverts, and it's very hard for us just to go up to someone and start having that conversation. But the smaller the group, the more likely that is to happen. So the very first thing that we want to do is anyone that wants to get up on stage has 45 seconds to get up, say what they are there to talk about, what they are an expert in and what kind of experts they are looking for. Okay. So anyone that I would call a maker or doer at the conference has gotten up and said what, what they're doing or what they're looking for. Then uh, I I'm taking from, he ever heard of the concept of speed dating yeah yeah so speed dating for plebs all the the makers and doers are going to sit with 250 people will probably be three circles and one circle might be community so you know bitcoin island guatemala all those and anyone that's kind of running a community would be there then the developers in another circle the investors and businesses in another and every minute, uh, people will circle from one to the other. So now in a structured way, you've had that first one minute conversation with everyone that you are looking to have. You know who they are because they get up on stage and then you had a one minute conversation with them. That makes it a lot easier later when you want to go up and talk to this person, you can. You've already broken the ice in that structured way that makes everyone feel comfortable with making these initial relationships. Now, for a lot of the birds of a feather talk, what we're doing is people can suggest things that they want to talk about, and we will uh, vote on them online. I'm suspecting we're probably going to do it also in person. Just a list of things that people want to talk about. One of my favorite suggestions was living with a Bitcoiner a support group. Okay. And I see you smiling right now. This is clearly something that the significant others that get dragged to our conference are going to go to. Right. And so, you know, talk about 
what do you do when you're living with someone that's passionate about this? What, you know, this can be challenging for people. Um, What if you are one of these growing communities that doesn't have fiat rails like we do? You need to be able to cash in and out the restaurants that accepted sats. How do you do that? What are some strategies for this? And so there won't necessarily be a speaker at this, but the 30 people that want to talk about informal rails for a community, here's the area. We've got a bunch of chairs. Maybe you nominate one person to be the, you know, the moderator, but he's not giving a presentation. He's just there to make sure the conversation is going. Great. Now you 30 people can talk about that for 45 minutes. And so getting the people that need to know something or doing something all together is super important. I, I think about like when I was at adopting Bitcoin, the BTC maps guys had a talk and then afterwards we're all hanging out to talk with them. Well, why don't we just do that part where uh, whatever the topic is, people will gravitate towards it. And so we've got a growing list of what these birds of a feather talks will be about. Like one that I want to do is how to give a kick-ass tech demo. That's what I did as an engineer for a long time was demonstrated technology. And, you know, I think about how I did it when I first got there and I did everything wrong like everyone else does. So being able to talk about that with other people would be a good thing. Now, we're probably going to also have hands-on workshops. So this is going to be far more, you know, scripted and led by a specific person. Uh, something that I found here on Bitcoin Island, we get, you know, two or three Bitcoin tourists every week coming in. And, you know, they're like, well, how do I get money on here? I've only got money on Binance. Okay. If this is a Bitcoiner that was motivated enough to come to Bitcoin Island, they've never used Lightning. They have, they are not self-custodying. And so clearly this is something that we need to educate people within our own community. And so I'm expecting to have a 45 minute talk about doing your own first self-custody. You know, cause that can be absolutely terrifying the first time you hit send from the exchange, if you're using a centralized exchange, is this really going to work? So what if we set up and do this, hand, you know, holding every, each other's hands and send, you know, a dollar's worth of Bitcoin? Okay, let's let's send lightning payments to each other and just get practice with that, feel confident about it. So uh, there will definitely be workshops. We've had com uh, demand for a hackathon. So I've secured working space for a few days before the event. And right now, the idea would be a lightning-enabled karaoke machine. <laughs> so um, Asian and Filipino in general love karaoke. And I know that I can find a bar that will allow this thing to be set up. But what I'm imagining is not only can you pay for the songs in lightning, but you can hit a button and it'll put out a tweet saying, hey, someone wants to sing and put the invoice out on Twitter. 
someone will pay that invoice to pay 25 cents so that someone can sing in the Philippines. But then on top of that, I want to have it so there is a live stream of that song. On top of the microphone, there's a camera, and they can sing and smile and dance into the camera. The Filipino would absolutely love this. So, uh, you know, that's my current idea for a hackathon. I'm not that kind of coder. I don't know if that's even reasonable to do. But, you know, we're happy to pay for the hardware and everything else and make that happen. And each, can I just layer on top of that? Uh, for each performance, sure. <laughs> for each performance, you could have a little QR code for that individual. And then the plebs from around the world who are watching this performance can just tip a dollar or whatever. That would, imagine. Oh, that is brilliant. Imagine some complete noob never heard of bitcoin before just loves karaoke wanders into this bar and then all of a sudden is being tipped by bitcoiners around the world like that's their I first touch it. point that that is uh that is definitely in the requirements document so if you're a <laughs> hardware geek out there um i figure we can get the hardware working locally and then you know keep adding on cool features can probably be done uh, a little bit more remotely, or maybe you guys are geniuses that can get this all done right away. So, people yeah, will be able to also, do that for you. I I really hope so. I think that would be stupendous, especially if they can make an account and you know just send it. Like, yeah, that would be very cool. In fact, if they had a pouch account, which most uh, first time Filipino. Uh, that's going to be the account they use. There's already a tip link, so they could just type in their username, and there it goes. So there wouldn't be a lot of work in that. Uh, something else, we're working with the LightSats guys. Have you heard of them? Yeah, no, go ahead. Ah, so they're making tipping in Bitcoin really, really easy. You can pre-print QR codes and pre-fund them with you know, whatever sats that you want. When someone gets it, they can scan the QR or put in their phone number, and then they will get a tutorial on what Bitcoin is, and then they will open up their wallet and send that tip over to their wallet. Now, one of the really nice things here is if that tip goes unclaimed, after whatever time period you put, those stats go back to the tipper and they can use them again. So it it solves a problem that we've had. When we first got here, we were very excited to sign people up and you know give them like four bucks in in sats or something like that. But we didn't see a lot of people actually using that, or they just forget about their account or or what have you. So by giving these little tipping cards, then there's a, a little bit of proof of work where they actually download pouch, install it, and then can fund it. Uh, one of the features that they're adding for me is I want to have a, another QR code that I can carry with me. Same as theirs, only it's only one peso, and you can use it 100 times or something. So when I want to tip them, I show them, okay, if you've got this QR code, you've got pouch, you scan it, boom, now you've got the money in your account. 
And then I can keep using my one peso QR code, you know, a hundred times for every demo I do of this. And then I hand them a card that's got, you know, a hundred pesos on it. To give you a sense of scale, minimum wage here is 350 pesos a day. So about seven bucks a day. So when we come in and offer them a hundred pesos, that's like, you know, a decent amount of, of time uh, value of money there for them. So what I'm imagining is getting this system working and then just printing out, you know, a few hundred of these cards, handing them out to people to go out and tip. And if you want more, you know, here, these are already pre-funded and, you know, zap me some sats. Here's some pre-made ones. There you go. And so I imagine a lot of Bitcoiners are going to love the idea about going around the island and handing these out. Yeah, 100%. Mate, you've, it sounds awesome. It sounds really great. And I love the idea of the uh, the 45 seconds up on stage, then the one-minute speed dating, because that just sorts the wheat from the chaff so quickly. Uh, you know, the, the amount of the, – the conferences are awesome. I love going to the conferences. And when you find that one conversation that just lights you up, you never want to leave it. You could spend the whole mm -hmm. two days talking to that person about that project and figuring out how to build it together. And this is um, well, Orange Pill App. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of them. Did you speak with Matteo already? Yeah, yeah, actually. Uh, we've got a mutual acquaintance that's been very helpful hooking us up with um, different communities. Right. And so I, I will be talking with him soon. Excellent. Because that's the idea. Like, you know, how do we all get connected and move this thing forward as efficiently and as effectively as we possibly can, rather than we're all just completely decentralized, which is great around the world, all on Twitter, can't find each other for love nor money. Half of us are nims, half of us aren't. Uh, but bringing us all together and, and the idea that you've had there at the uh, the retreat, I think, is going to, I, I think a lot of amazing projects will be launched after that weekend from plebs who are just uh, dying to start something but don't know who with, in what area and how. But you need two or three yes. of you together with those skill sets, right, to come together. You know, the mindset's already there. Right? That's the beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah, you're, you're giving me goosebumps. So other people are seeing the vision that we have for this. So we, of course, will have some keynotes and so on, but getting us all together. And I really want to pitch to, if you are a small project and you need a test bed, Boracay, we chose this because with this small of an island, 10 square kilometers, we can achieve a very high density of adoption, much easier. If we were to have started in Manila, 250 businesses in Manila, you would never notice it. Mm -hmm. Here, we've got all those people and we're all together. And I'm trying to get more and more of these projects to do testing here on the island. Maybe, you know, bigger projects where they're actually like doing tech support or or something like that set up here on the island i am glad to help set that up we have uh, a place that we know we could get office space 
same place that we get ours. So you could set up there. Um, I'm on the ground here that can help with the training. I worked in a tech support organization, so I can help you find people, get that started, not really as pouch, but just kind of as a pleb that wants to help and really get that started. One of the big advantages is everyone here speaks English. So that's a huge advantage. We are 12 hours off of East Coast time. So those hard to fill hours, you know, at night are the prime working hours here. We actually have one of our people uh, that does tech support in the Philippines and one in El Salvador. And they're, you know, over um, nearly 12 hours apart. So they can cover all the shifts very easily. Uh, you know, to me, if you've got a an app that requires a high density of Bitcoiners in one area, this is a great place to launch it. Yeah. And how do people get there? What's the best way for uh, what's the entry points? OK, so I always like to talk about for our whales. Uh, there's a Coast Guard uh, station on the island. So uh, when you bring a yacht in, you have to register with the local Coast Guard, but they are right nearby. Um, I've already checked. The local airport does accept private charters. So our whales, you are well covered. <laughs> now for uh, for the rest of us. For the plebs. Um, <laughs> for the plebs, uh, you would basically fly into Manila or Cebu. Uh, those are the two major airports that are nearby and then you hop on to not quite a puddle jumper but a small plane it takes about an hour to get to the mainland relative to our island and what i would recommend is we have a bunch of tour companies that can basically pick you up at the airport bring you to the ferry port get you on the next ferry pick you up with one of these little golf carts and bring you to your hotel. And that beats standing in line and trying to figure out how do I get onto the ferry? Where do I pay? Blah, blah, blah. They add a lot of value to the situation by just being there. And like, I always use Camry to her. She was our very first sign up. The first person I signed up on the Island, they've all got pink shirts so when I get off my plane, I look for the woman in the pink shirt and she just takes me all the way across. So, huh. yeah. So basically fly to Manila or Cebu, uh, go to uh, Cataclan. And this is all on our our site. So if you go to pouch.ph and go to, uh, there's one of the links is retreat, which I already told you about. But the other link is for Boracay. And it tells you all about the mechanics of getting onto the island. Uh, the next thing is that you need to have a hotel reservation before you can cross on the ferry. And so we have a list of all of our hotels that accept Bitcoin. There's a little description of them. There is a link to their website and there is their email address and there is their payment link. So let's say you want to go to Lazy Dog. One of the uh, one of my favorite little hotels here, more of a, a large bed and breakfast type hotel. And you email them and say you want to say stay. They send you the bill and you can just go put that into their sats link and send it off to them. 
Make sure you put in the memo your username so they know who those sats came from because they are anonymous. So, um, you know, make sure you do that and they'll be looking for it, but still. And that's how you can pay. And by using Bitcoin, not only are you supporting our economy, but you are supporting the hotels and the Bitcoin there because their other option is almost always to use a go to booking.com, Airbnb. And I've heard anywhere from 15% to 40% that these sites are taking. Mm. One of these hotel operators almost broke down in tears telling me about this, that his business is almost no longer viable because all the bookings come through these agents that are taking such a huge percentage. When you book with Bitcoin hotels directly, they are keeping all of the money and mm -hmm. you are supporting the Bitcoin economy. So please do that. We've got a pretty big list of hotels that you can go to from you know, pretty high-end places down to pretty inexpensive places. So uh, we've got representation on all of them. One one thing I will have to ask on behalf of the plebs: Do you have any idea of um, like vaccination status or anything that people will have to look into before they arrive in Manila or Cebu or you know sure. take the airlines? What what's the update on the island? So um, it's not about the island so much as the Philippines as a whole, and this is always a dynamic situation, but. Right now, I think it's just an antigen test before you leave. So vaccination status does not matter. Okay. That is as of January 5th, 2023. I would check, but it's been getting easier and easier, and I have no reason to believe it's going to get um, more more difficult going forward from here. Excellent to know. We've definitely had... We've definitely had some people come to the island at, that were unvaccinated and very upfront about it, and they had no problem getting on. They've been here within the last month, so it is perfect. Uh, have you got? Have you guys heard of shopinbit.com? I have not. Okay, I'll, I'll make sure to hook you guys up because they also have um, like a travel agency kind of. Uh, sector as well so i'm sure they'd love to hook up with you and they've they've they can hire private jets for people they they can do all of that kind of concierge stuff so there's definitely something here for you guys to hook up with i met them in prague at the liberty and our lifetime conference so that's that's uh say it again shop in bit.com shop in bit okay uh that would be good because we've been threatening that we need to make a uh a hotel booking system for the island here. But if someone's already built it, we would much rather uh, talk with them. So I will be checking them out soon. Yeah, I'll, I'll put you in direct touch with the guys there and then uh, you'll be able to, well, yeah, get them across, you know, get them across. And that, if we're talking great. about um, helping each other So if we're talking about helping each other out, I know there's a lot of people that are listening to this and saying, I want to go, but I can't for whatever reason. You can still help. We need more people to know about the island. We need more people to know about the retreat. 
And so what I found is if I search around looking for Telegram groups or Discords, anything that you can find on Google is a spam-filled nightmare. All the good groups you find out by talking to other plebs. So find me on Twitter, find me on email, and send me an invite to whatever your group is. If I'm already a member, that's fine. Uh, but I've found some of the best groups this way, just one person to one person. So yeah, please send me those invites and let me get there or help me because if you're already a member of these groups, uh, I will give you the information that you need to put into the group so that they can see it. We're getting people coming in, but it's very scary as a, an organizer here to know that most people do not sign up until the very last minute. And we're reserving venues, we're booking speakers, and the more people that reserve early, the better it is. Mm -hmm. So please help us spread the word. Um, it, you know, I try not to go to any one group more than once every two or three days. And so having other people that can help us with that, maybe, you know, you are someone that knows some of these people that should be at the event. A personal invite from you is far better than an invite from me. Definitely when I approach, you know, people on Twitter, I just don't get a response. And if you already are friends with them and can foster that introduction, that is really, really helpful. And I just want to make sure people have your exact uh, Twitter handle. Uh, it's not under your yep. name, right? It's under Bitcoin Island. Is that correct? Yeah, it's uh, Bitcoin Island PH. So Bitcoin Island Philippines. And I am Bill at pouch.ph. You're on Twitter as Bill. At uh, Bill, uh, uh, no, on Twitter, I am Bitcoin Island PH. Yeah, right. Okay. That's your Twitter. And then that was an email, was it? Bill at Pouch. Yeah. Dot PH. Okay. All right. Uh, I'll make sure that gets in the uh, in the show notes and people uh, I'm sure will reach out if they want to come or if they can help or think of any ideas that or send anything across, right? That, that'll be cool. If anyone's got a product, they can just ship over to you and you can hand out. I mean, you'd be more than happy to uh, receive anything. I'm more sure. than happy. Yeah. Yeah. So I respond to all Twitter that I get that is not shilling some shit coin. Uh, so, yes, <laughs> I will respond to you if you if you message us. Perfect. All right. Have we have we covered everything? I think so. I think that's about it. So thank you for putting this out to all of your listeners. And we really do appreciate it. We want to get more people to the island, whether it's for this retreat or just in general. I tend to um, greet most of the people that come to the island. So it is still a small enough project. I will gladly go out and have a beer with you. If you give me some advance notice, I will get you some coconut wine. That's something <laughs> that tourists have a hard time finding, but I know the guys that are making it in their backyard. So I will gladly um, have some coconut wine with you here on Bitcoin Island, show you where you can buy a Bitcoin with sats and get that, you know, that photograph for Twitter that you want of that. So I got to ask you the last question. 
if you had one last orange pill to give to somebody, who would you give it to and why? Probably my uh, my best friend that I've known since high school. I think there's just certain people that are not are very comfortable with the current system and are not as much of a rabble rouser as I am and a lot of us are that the system is working exceptionally well for. And I am very much looking forward to the day when he asks me about Bitcoin. I don't push it. I asked him once what he thought about it and he didn't think very highly of it. So, you know, I'm looking forward to the day when he asks me about it, but I am not going to go and bother him because my relationship with him is far more important than orange pilling him. But I look forward to someday he's going to ask. It will happen, mate. Low time preference. You know, you know, it's coming. And, and yep, one and yeah. One I will obs- feel like I know I've succeeded when he asks me about it. So <laughs> go ahead. She'll lightly, as Matt O'Dell would say. Uh, one just anecdotal thing I've noticed uh, about your name uh, and your 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 enjoyment of uh, of playing cards and poker and gambling is uh, William Hill. Yes, that was a, that was a nice coincidence, wasn't it? <laughs> That's part of the reason I go by Bill instead of William. Uh, so that I can is... I can imagine you sit down at a poker table. He's like, "What's your name?" Uh, oh yeah, I'm William Hill. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, that that yeah. So you know about that. That's uh, for people that don't know. William Hill is a major uh, sports betting company. Uh, it reminds me of the time I was sitting in the win. It's uh, a definitely a really, really nice card room in the in Vegas. And there was a guy up front smoking in the poker room. Definitely not allowed. He's got his big cigar and someone made a comment about it. And the dealer looks at him and says, do you want to tell Steve Wynn not to smoke in his own goddamn casino? <laughs> and the guy's like, nope. And so <laughs> we, you know. That I thought that was my little brush with fame seeing him come in. Big name. He owns the place. So very, very cool. Very cool. Uh I remember losing some money in the Wynn Hotel. Uh so yeah. There you go, Steve. I hope uh I hope you enjoyed the cigar. <laughs> yeah. So all right. I really appreciate this and thank you. Thank you very much, mate, for everything you're doing. It's been awesome watching this play out on Twitter. Uh, now I hope this podcast will give people um, more of a tangible feel to know something truly real is going on here and go and watch your uh, adopting Bitcoin Bill Hill. That's what they've got to search for on YouTube. Go and watch your little uh, presentation there and get some plebs over to the island. We'd love to come. Yeah. I, I would love to make it work. I just don't think this year is going to be possible, but I'm sure you're going to do this again next year. I don't think you're going anywhere. Yeah, I... I... Uh, sort of like when we on the island here, getting our first 30 businesses took us two months. Getting the last 150 took us a few weeks. Wow. Traction. So uh, I, I think this is going to be the hardest conference uh, retreat to pull off. And then the second one, it'll be turning people away. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're hoping that we, we fill up and have to turn people away this year. So... 
All right, sign up early, please. <laughs> what well, What's the max you think you can take? Uh, there's not a lot of conference centers here. I think we would absolutely top out at 400, mm. and we are uh, shooting for 250 right now. All so. right, plebs. Get those tickets booked. And uh, yeah, that's one thing. For if they want to come, how, how much is it to, to buy a ticket for the retreat? So as of today, it is a hundred US, and now uh, we are we are upping that on the fifteenth of January. So I don't know when this comes out, but you better hurry and reserve. Uh, as this thing has grown to uh, a bigger venue and so on. Uh, the prices are going up. Mm -hmm. So we thought this was going to be a much smaller conference, but we're already seeing the demands and we're booking a bigger conference center because of that. So the prices will be going up. It's definitely underpriced right now at 100 this early out. All right, cool. Well, great work. All the best of luck. Fingers crossed. And uh, thanks for uh, coming on the show. Thank you. Well, there you go, plebs. There's Bill from Bitcoin Island. <laughs> what are you waiting for? If you've got an idea just to kick something off, look how quickly that can gather steam. Anybody in this space that has started some kind of project will tell you the exact same thing. As soon as you put yourself out there, the plebs have got you. Bitcoin fam has got you. The fact that you've stepped up and you've taken some kind of uh, Hail Mary at launching some kind of project, people want to see you succeed. And especially the people that are looking to release themselves from their own fiat existence and see an opportunity to help you build whatever it is that you're building, they will come and they will do absolutely anything that they can to get you connected to the right people or help you build so please if you've got something on the tip of your tongue on the tip of your fingers that you need to do on the tip of your conscience act on it please act on it because look what bill achieved 250 merchants i mean it's called bitcoin island for god's sake btc maps if you go to btc maps big shout out nathan day go back and listen to his interview btc maps because he had the same feeling he had the same feeling sitting in the front row of a conference at riga that he needed to build something and that's where he started looking into things and before he knew it by the end of that day he had a team <laughs> that, that, that were willing to build something in their own time on their own dime just to put something back into the community and this is how we win bitcoin is inevitable it's just how long it's going to take and if you can get out to the philippines to go and support bill or if you've got friends maxis plebs that you know that live in that part of the world anyone in southeast asia that perhaps even heard of bitcoin yet send them this episode it will fire them up let's get people more and more involved uh so anyway rant over i hope you guys enjoyed the show got fired up Reach out to Bill if you can. He's Bitcoin Island on Twitter. And uh, yeah, let's make this happen. Please support the show sponsors. Uh, make sure actually, download Orange Pill app if you haven't already. It's on Android and it's on the app uh, store on uh, iOS. There's a lot of fun going on there. At the moment, at the very moment, there's a treasure hunt going on for 1 million sats. 
There's a lot of interaction, the, the app is getting better every single day and plebs are finding each other and connecting with each other and building out cool projects like Bill's done over in uh, Boracay. Uh, check out Swan Relay Coin Corner if you want to stack sats. They are brilliant companies that are going to help you down the rabbit hole. If you want to go peer-to-peer, go hodl, hodl, and get to Riga. They're going to announce soon, 2nd, 3rd of September. I might be jumping the gun, but who cares? They're going to have the Baltic Honey Badger in Riga, Latvia again. So make sure you get your tickets. Look out for Wasabi Wallet if you want to learn about CoinJoin. Very easy, wasabiwallet.io. Run some sats through it. If you don't like it, doesn't matter. If you do like it, get down the rabbit hole. Do your own research. Please take control of your sats. Get a hardware wallet. Get a signing device. Shiftcrypto.ch have got you. Use the code BITTEN. Hit the link in the show notes and use the code BITTEN and you'll get 5% discount on the Bitbox 02 Bitcoin only edition. Conferences. My God, we've run out of music. Whatever. Conferences. They're going to be huge this year. They're going to be so much fun. Only the plebs are going to go, right? The, 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 the crypto bros, my opinion only, but I think the crypto bros are done for a little while. So if you get to any of these conferences, I think there's going to be way more signal than noise. That goes for Miami, which is going to be in May, mid-May, 18th to the 20th of May. I'm going to be heading over there. Guys, if you're heading over as a Euro pleb, Check the status of the medical requirements that they need for you to land in their country. They usually don't even bother checking, but it's the point of check-in at and the airline that you're using that could be the problem. You'll find a solution, I'm sure, if you need to. Make it happen. Uh, Prague. Prague, 8th to the 10th of June, is really shaping up to be something pretty special for us on this side of the pond that have been waiting for a really huge conference. Uh, Bitcoin Amsterdam, Bitcoin Magazine, they did a great job and they will be coming back again at the end of this year. This is not being run by those guys. This is being run by a different, I mean, the brothers, Matt and uh, Martin, and they are trying to get anywhere between five to 10,000 maxis from all over Europe together to pull the maxi groups around Europe in different countries together and have the discussions and get everybody really fighting the fight. Michael Saylor has announced that he's coming to give a speech and I think he might be appearing twice. So let's just wait and see what happens there. But go to uh, btcprague.com. Use the code BITTEN for checkout for Miami and for Prague and you will get a discount assigned to your basket. Right, that's the end of that. Uh, I ran out of music a long time ago. You're tired of me droning on. I look forward to the next show, and I will meet you at any one of those aforementioned conferences. Take care, guys.